This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Inside Story on BFM 89.9. Good evening, this is Sharmila Ganesan and Lee Chui Lin. Tonight, a look at P-hailing drivers, riders and safety. So, whenever we've spoken about road safety, delivery riders come up an awful lot and it was recently brought up in the Day One Riot as well. So, we're going to talk about some of the behaviours we commonly see and discuss whether this is just part and parcel of the job and what can be done differently. So, tell us, how do you think delivery riders can do their job in a safer way? Call 7732 900, tweet us at BFM Radio, send us a voice note or WhatsApp at RU mobile number 018-789-8899. This is Inside Story. It is 6.08 and recently in Parliament, Transport Minister Anthony Locke was asked about measures being taken by the Ministry to protect the safety of P-hailing riders because of their use of mobile devices when they are essentially making deliveries and doing their jobs. So um, in response, the Minister shared a uh, the results of a behavioural survey which was conducted with P-hailing riders and this survey found that 88.8% of respondents acknowledged typing or checking the status of an order on their phone while they were on the road. So this is one of those, um, I'm glad that we did the survey. I'm glad that we've got the number to build the story on. But let's also face it, right? Did we need the survey? <laughs> I mean, no, I mean, in all I mean, honesty, not necessarily, right? Because no, because every time we even do one of these shows, riders and unsafe road behaviour tends to come up. Not even that. I'm literally just thinking about my ri- uh, mm. about my drive to and from work on a daily basis or to the places that I usually go and how often I will see a rider um, checking their phone checking their phone because obviously they're they're checking the navigation, they're checking the status of the order, they're messaging the, the person that they're delivering mm. it to, all these different things. And so this number of almost 89% saying that they in fact do this is really un, unsurprising. Um, he did, to be fair, uh, the minister I mean, not mention how many respondents took part in the study uh, or, or when exactly it was done. He also said though that a separate observational study on the behaviours of these riders around KL found that the number of individuals who either held their phones or used a phone holder while riding has increased last year compared to 2020 and that since the use of mobile phones while making deliveries is such a common thing, the government has taken measures to instill elements of risk management for riders, which is being done through advocacy and safety training. And it's aimed to increase their knowledge about road safety. And one of the aspects being emphasised is the usage of mobile phones. So, um, Phones are one thing. I think we're going to spend a fair amount of our show talking about it. But that's not the only safe road safety behaviour that I think comes up when you think about P-hailing riders. No, and and I think to paint a picture, actually, some statistics would be helpful. So uh, the minister did share some stats. He spoke about the number of accidents involving food delivery riders. 1,242 accidents involving food delivery riders from 2018 until May of 2022. Out of this, 112 sadly had died. 82 suffered severe injuries. 1,048 sustained light injuries. And I bring this up, actually, um to i suppose to to highlight how the nature of this job in some ways i think places certain kinds of pressures on the riders right the need to meet deadlines the need to um deal with multiple personalities and types of customers the rushing from place to place the fact that you're paid more depending on how many orders you can service in your mm. uh, shift all of this i think creates a situation where safety is often disregarded personal safety is often disregarded um but i do think that as this becomes something we become more and more reliant on um, we need to be thinking about how to how to change this I agree with that um, I would also bring up at this point that in the past when we've talked about motorcyclists and uh, and the psychology of motorcyclists in general so not specific to delivery riders I'm trying to remember which guest uh, we spoke about this with and whether it was uh, Prof Fahan uh, who we regularly have on to talk about transportation um, anyways the the point that was being made repeatedly was that if you are taught early on and it's normalised that these sorts of safety measures aren't important and that you just 
the the rules of the traffic light, for instance, don't apply to you, then that's how you will ride. And then if you compound that with the kind of pressures that you're talking about, that's when we really find ourselves in perhaps the situation that we're currently in. So we want to hear from you. How do you think delivery riders can do their job in a safer way? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send us a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. After this, we'll be speaking with Carl Miller, who is a researcher from Nottingham University. He researches the psychology of driving as well as cultural differences when it comes to drivers. So um, keep sending your thoughts through and keep it here. BFM eighty nine point nine. Balanced Frank Medium, BFM 89.9. It is 6.14. You're listening to Inside Story with Sharmila and Lynn. And we're talking about delivery riders or pee-hailing riders and safety. Uh, This comes on the wake of a question being asked in Dewan Rakyat of the Transport Minister about what's being done to improve the safety levels when it comes to our delivery riders. So we want to hear from you as well. How do you think delivery riders can do their job in a safer way? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Joining us now is Carl Miller, a researcher from Nottingham University who researches the psychology of driving. Carl, good to have you with us. Hi there, thank you for having me. So our uh, Transport Minister's survey on P-hailing riders has found that 88.8% of respondents use their phones while they are on the road, while they're on their bikes. Is this something that you've also observed about the driving culture here? Um, It isn't actually. It's a very shocking number to see. Um, Based on when I was in Malaysia, it's not something I noticed very often, but I wasn't on the road I wasn't driving that often in the kind of literature on this kind of stuff we see much lower numbers in terms of normal motorcyclists so just not people who are riding a motorcycle for deliveries we kind of see percentages of about one and two percent but I've recently saw a study I haven't been able to find the study mentioned that the minister cited But a similar study in China actually found that 96% of delivery drivers on motorcycles are using their phone. So clearly this is quite a scary number. That's a lot of people doing this. So it's definitely something that we should be looking into a lot more. Now, the argument has often been that because business is heavily conducted on the hailing apps, that necessarily connects to phones, that this is just part and parcel of being a P-hailing rider. Would you agree with this? Yeah, obviously, these kind of jobs, your mobile phone is how you get your work. Um, I think the difference is considering where the mobile phone fits into this kind of work. So obviously, using it when you're at the restaurant to pick up the food or to know who you're picking up if you're um, a grab driver and you've got a passenger or something, but actually using it whilst you're riding a motorcycle There's different ways you can use your phone. So having it just open as satellite navigation and GPS isn't so much of a problem, but the ways people are engaging with their phones, actually holding their phones, texting and things, checking messages whilst they're riding, that shouldn't be part of the job. That's actually very dangerous, as we know, to do that on the road. Now, how is using a phone to navigate different when you're on a motorcycle versus when you're in a car, especially when it comes to safety? So I think for how we use a phone to navigate, a lot of the time we would consider that okay. So if the phone is held in a phone holder, either in a car or on a motorcycle, and you're just using it to listen to directions from the GPS, that isn't so much of a problem. The problems come in when you start actually engaging with the phone So when you pick the phone up and you try and change something, check a notification, send a text message, and we know that this is bad for car drivers and for motorcyclists. So in terms of the kind of general problems with this, we see issues with things like hazard perception. So you're not likely to notice emerging hazards on the roads and dangerous things on the road. Your reaction times are slowed down when you're using a mobile phone. Um, And all these kind of quite problematic behaviours are obviously distracted. You're not looking at things on the road. This is the same for people who are in a car or on a motorbike. 
The difference, I think, is that the ability to lose control of the vehicle is a bit higher for people who are on a motorbike. Obviously, when you're in a car, you are protected by the car itself. You can still get involved in an accident and lose control of your vehicle. But unfortunately for other people on the road, if you're in a car and you have a collision with a motorcycle, the car driver is often going to be the one who comes out of that okay. If you're a motorcyclist and you lose control of the vehicle or you don't notice a hazard, you've got nothing to protect you whilst you're on the motorcycle. So actually the risk of being seriously injured or even worse killed as a result of these accidents is much higher for motorcycle users. It's not exclusively phone use that comes up, right? Delivery riders running red lights, going against traffic. These have been some of the major complaints that have come up as well. And authorities have said that most of these offences were committed by riders chasing time to complete food deliveries quickly. Can you help us understand why someone in this situation, in this job, might be more prone to disregarding rules and safety? Yeah, that is definitely something that I saw when I was in Malaysia was motorcyclists, as you said, running red lights, going in the wrong direction of traffic, um, using the pavement or the sidewalk instead of the road to kind of cut corners. There's lots of things that can lead to these kind of behaviours. When we're on the road in any kind, as any road user, so be it a car driver or a motorcyclist, we have a certain level of risk that we're willing to take on the road. So driving or riding a motorcycle is never entirely risk-free. And we're always willing to engage in a certain amount of risk to achieve our personal goals. So that might be getting to work on time, meeting your friends or something. The difference for these delivery drivers is their goals are based on the job. So when you're doing this with the goal of arriving at a destination in time, because that is how you're going to make your money. It's how you're going to get a tip for delivering things fast. In those kind of situations, you're much more likely to take risks and do these things on the road because you want to get there on time. There might also be a kind of personality factor to this, that some people are just much more willing to engage in risky behaviours. And we do know that is the case for motorcyclists, particularly in countries where there are not a lot of motorcycles. So people are buying them for fun and for leisure purposes. But in the case of delivery drivers in Malaysia, I think the big issue in terms of why they're willing to take these risks is because the job seems to depend on it at the moment. So if we move on that premise that a lot of this is down to the pressure of the job, things like having to meet tight delivery deadlines, what then is the responsibility of the delivery company here? This is a difficult one in that from the perspective of the delivery company, they kind of have one priority, which is running a good service and making profit. My personal opinion is that with that, safety should be put as a top priority for their drivers and riders. There are a few kind of ways that this could be addressed. One of them is making sure that the estimates of how long it's going to take for food to arrive are really accurate. So obviously you do want, if you order something on Grab, you want your food to arrive as fast as possible. But if those time estimates are not how long it will take you to get to the destination, especially with the kind of traffic that you get in KL, that is going to lead to people making more risky decisions. So I think making sure that as well as having the business model of wanting food to arrive on time and have a good service for the customer, the safety of the people delivering the food really needs to be considered as a kind of top priority. And are there other risks that uh, P-hailing riders are prone to facing on the road that we haven't explored yet? There's quite a few. So I'm not sure about this in Malaysia, particularly in the UK, where we have these kind of delivery drivers. A lot of people use bicycles, so pedal cyclists. A big problem for them is being knocked off their bikes. So getting involved in accidents with cars or hitting other things on the road and falling off the bikes. Obviously, this can also happen with motorcyclists. So this is a big problem for actually being on the road, which is why ensuring that anyone using a bicycle or a motorcycle has the proper safety gear. So is wearing a suitable helmet that will protect their head in any kind of accidents and any other safety gear that's necessary. But I think the biggest risk, if you asked the delivery drivers, would be this financial side of it. So for them, obviously, this isn't the highest paid job. 
getting from point A to point B within time is the only way to make money. So in the case of these drivers, their biggest risk is if I don't make this delivery in time, I won't get paid. Now, when we talk, this is something actually that you alluded to earlier on as well. Uh, delivery riders tend to come up a lot in complaints from other drivers when it comes to road safety. How does poor rider behaviour affect the safety of other road users who are sharing the space with them? Yeah, that's a really good question. One thing that I think all road users forget about is that they're not the only person on the road. I think everyone is guilty of this. And it's actually one kind of recommended tip to improve road safety is just to think about the other people on the road. So in the case of delivery drivers, if they are running red lights, going the wrong way down a highway or driving on the pavement or something like that, that's going to have an impact on other road users. So people in cars or on motorbikes who are using the road correctly they're going to possibly experience road rage. So they're going to start driving in maybe a more aggressive or a more defensive manner, which might lead to them breaking rules, such as speeding to overtake um, other road users and things like that. It's going to create extra hazards on the road. So if you're waiting at the red light and the motorcycle comes towards you, going in the wrong direction of traffic, that becomes hazardous. You have to respond to that. One person responding to a hazard can lead to other hazards for the person behind them and so on and so forth. So it can just create this kind of knock-on effect if your behaviour is leading to other road users having to change their behaviour on the road. So in closing then, what safety measures should be incorporated into policies made for delivery riders? So like I said, I think the top priority really needs to be having safety at the forefront of the business model for how these companies work. So making sure that priority number one is that the people doing these deliveries are safe on the road and can get from point A to point B without having an accident or an injury. I think a way to kind of help this is those more realistic delivery times. So just increasing the window that people have to make their deliveries will hopefully make sure that people are riding their motorcycles in a much safer way because they're not under the same kind of time pressures with that ensuring that people are wearing the proper safety gear so especially helmets it's unfortunate the amount of motorcyclists who die on the road in malaysia and proper safety gear such as helmets could actually reduce that number so making sure that delivery drivers have to wear helmets and other safety gear Another issue as well, sorry, another solution as well, could be to increase the pay of these delivery drivers. So like you mentioned at the start, if people have got to get so many deliveries done within, say, a five-hour shift, they're going to try and do more and more deliveries to take home more money at the end of it to take back to their families and things. So just making sure that drivers are paid adequately so they don't end up taking these risks to try and get more shifts in, which then involves speeding, using their mobile phones, running red lights and things like that. That could be another way to improve the safety of these riders on the road. Carl, thanks for speaking with us today. Thank you so much for having me. That was Carl Miller, a researcher from Nottingham University who researches the psychology of driving. Uh, do keep sending your thoughts through. How do you think delivery riders can do their job in a safer way? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. I think we have time for a couple of messages. So uh, Raj says, very simple, don't drive like a maniac. Should be simple. So I, I would say this applies to everybody mm -hmm. um, It is the problem here. And um, I, I agree with you. I think that if we all chose not to drive like maniacs, uh, that the roads would generally be safer. Um, I, I do think, though, as we explored in that interview, that there are certain pressures that I, I feel... I don't think justifies bad behaviour, 
but I think it's worth knowing about when we consider how it is that you want to communicate or how it is that you want to stop or limit that kind of behaviour. Well, Arjun is actually making a point in that direction, saying they can do a safer job if consumers don't insist on their things or food arriving immediately. I I really appreciate that. And uh, in concert with what our guest brought up about realistic delivery times, because the truth is that we're probably a bit spoiled by this. And um, it's almost like cognitive dissonance a bit, because as drivers ourselves, we know what the roads are actually like at the hour that we're ordering our food. Yes. And so we know how long it would take us to get from wherever our food is coming from to where we are. And yet when we see like a 10 minute drop off time or whatever, you're like, yeah, sure. That sounds about right. And also, even if the consumer decides that they are okay with longer delivery times and are given longer delivery times, it doesn't seem like on the parts of many of these companies, the priority is giving them a longer lead time. Instead, it almost seems like what it means is packing more orders into the time that they have, which is counterintuitive. Um, anyway, we will continue the conversation after this, uh, but we are talking about p-hailing riders and road safety. Let us know how do you think delivery riders can do their job in a safer way. Call us, send us a voice note, you can WhatsApp us, you can tweet us. Keep it here, BFM 89.9. Buggy Free Minum, BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It is 6.38. You're listening to Inside Story with Sharmila and Lynn. And we've been talking about p-hailing riders and uh, road safety. So this comes from a question that was asked in Parliament to Transport Minister Anthony Lok about what's being done to protect the safety of p-hailing riders, particularly because they tend to use their mobile devices while on the road, uh, while riding. Um, and so we would like to hear from you as well. How do you think delivery riders can do their job in a safer way? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send us a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Uh, so we do have a voice note that's come in on this. This is from Anthony. Food delivery guys, their their time food delivery time is normally concentrated during lunch or dinner time, and within such a small short period of time, they have to deliver many places and. They rush here and there, that's where they, they put themselves in danger. It's not like a grab, you have a passenger, you can, uh, you, when you got a, uh, a call, you can take your time to go to the place. You don't have to rush like crazy, but the foot one, they have limited time in such a, a short span. So this is the risk most of them are facing. Anthony, thank you for that. Um, you know, I I think that there are a couple of things coming together here, right? And and you talked about this earlier as well. The um, the idea that in general we a lot of Malaysian drivers tend not to think about um, other safety when they're on the road. Uh, But I think the combination of a generally lax um, attitude towards road safety, coupled with a job that particularly relies on you getting to places quickly, relies on needing to have your attention on a phone, um, all of these actually come together, particularly in this job. I, I agree. I think that, uh, Anthony, what stands out to me from your voice notes is also the empathy uh, that's being shown to, mm. to riders because I think that can often understandably be lacking. It can be tough to be empathetic when you feel as if you are being endangered. And that is often a a sense that I get as well. What helps me, I think, is, and this is unfortunate, the amount of times that I have seen riders get into accidents on the road and when you see people lying on lying on the road or sitting up but looking completely dazed and somebody's kwetiao or whatever is just mm. strewn behind them and you you I don't know. As as I pass by as a driver, I, I think to myself, I don't know if all of this is worth it. And I think that's where we come down to having more realistic expectations so that hopefully people can then be safer. I once had a food delivery rider um, who was 40 minutes late. Um, and then when he arrived, apologized pro- profusely uh, because he was late. And then he said it was because he had been in an accident and you could actually see visible scrapes and cuts on his arm. And I actually felt really bad because the fact that he felt the need to apologize so profusely to me and almost seemed guilty for having um, 
having been, you know, having been in an accident, I was like, no, it's completely fine. But I think that fear of, um, you know, customer dissatisfaction of having a complaint made of being late. Um, yeah, you're right. I think empathy is important. Of course, the other other half of that is that bad behavior should um, be corrected. So we've been asking you essentially, how can how can delivery riders do their job in a safer way? But I think I'm also keen on hearing what are your experiences or observations as somebody who shares the road with them. I mean, if of course you are in fact a delivery rider, we'd love to hear from you. But in general, as someone who who drives or who just observes how things are, what are some of the things that you've seen, especially when it comes to delivery riders? Because I think everybody has stories or experiences or, or well, certainly trigger points that, that come up in relation to this. So let us know that number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. Send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. So we do have, let's see, uh, Lok who says, I have little sympathy for these riders. I still remember very clearly back in 2020 or 2021 when I was crossing a traffic light junction. It was green on my side. I was the fourth car crossing. The delivery rider from the opposite side shot across in front of me. I honked at her. She gave me the finger. Okay, so this is the exact kind of, this is exactly the kind of stories that I'm talking about because we've all been there is the problem. I, I think that we've all been there and felt that feeling of being just so deeply aggrieved because you're not even in the wrong. You're not in the wrong and you're just telling somebody, hey, I see you, please be safer. And then they give you the finger. And uh, this is the other side because on we've been talking about sympathy but on the flip side of that, there is also this sort of behaviour. And I think that this is where something like enforcement or regulation and being clear about it needs to come in. So if you're talking about um, these sorts of examples, there are a number of people coming through. So Firdaus, for instance, says, I saw two accidents involving the food delivery rider because they were uh, they were crossing traffic lights. Some riders, they drive like crazy in between the cars as well. Mm. I think they're trying to catch up on the delivery orders while maintaining their KPIs. Yeah, um, I... I agree with you. And this is, again, something that I've seen quite a bit, The which then actually speaks to what our guest uh, Carl talked about earlier, which was how having, having one traffic incident usually has a compounding effect yes. and results in dangers to others because the amount of times that these specific accidents happen at intersections and junctions at which you have people just passing by anyway while somebody sits in the middle of the road and tries to tries to recuperate while other people stop to try to help them all of that all of that leads up to further dangers for people. Lok is back uh, just briefly to say, work pressure is not an excuse to break the law. That's like saying it's okay for the police to take bribes as they are paid low wages. And I think, to be clear, I'm not sure anybody is saying it's an excuse. I think what we're talking about is context. Yes, context. And, and in fact, actually, a number of people are messaging in talking about um, how some of this responsibility lies in the work structure, on the company. Um, and we will get to your messages on those as well. But do keep your thoughts coming. Um, how do you think delivery riders can do their job in a safer way? What are some of your experiences sharing the roads with delivery riders? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred. send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio, BFM 89.9. Baba from Malacca. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It is 6.48. You're listening to Inside Story with Sharmila and Lynn. And we're talking about p-hailing riders and road safety and asking you, how do you think delivery riders can do their job in a safer way? What are your experiences sharing the road with delivery riders? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio. Uh, we do have a voice note. This is from John. Uh, hi BFM. So in regards to this, I personally think that um, Grab riders should personally get um, like a phone stand to kind of like hold their phones because I think most of the times that I've seen riders deliver food and stuff, they, um, they're kind of like holding their phone and then at the same time they have to like put down their phone and then come and deliver the food which is kind of like um, not just safe for them because it's like 
while they're riding, they're holding their phone to see their ways, locations and whatnot, but also to kind of like um, provide an easier option for them to deliver food and also don't have to worry about holding their phone and, and, and stuff like that. So, yeah, just my input. Thank you for that. Um, actually, I think that a lot of these are... I mean, when, when we hear about them, obviously it sounds like it's common sense. Why would you not get a stand for your phone because you need it while you drive? But seemingly in practice, though, not really something that you see being done often enough. Well, um, in relation to that, we've also got this from Samuel, who says we need to invent head-up technology embedded into the helmet visors. This would eliminate them checking handphones while riding um, if you had a heads-up display. Oh, that's interesting. Um, Yes, and I think also uh, earlier, I think our guest talked about how um, companies also need to essentially put in place ways that uh, they can implement safety as part of the protocol for the riders rather than the priority of uh, getting orders out on time. And to that point, a number of people are chiming in about um, the companies themselves and what their responsibility should be. So Vimalan, for example, is saying, vicarious liability, the riders are agents of the company. If the company has to take responsibility for the fault of the riders, it will ensure that the riders behave properly. So this is, um, I mean, uh, this is similar to the handphone holder situation where you would think that this is a logical a logical way to do things. But um, if we look at how the companies are generally run and the model with which uh, the model they run on, the model that the riders participate in willingly, uh, that's simply not where we're at at the moment. Well, uh, Subra is making a point about pay, saying, mm-hmm. pay decently, pay them decently. Don't encourage tips for fast deliveries. Riders will know the estimated time of reaching a destination, so inform the customer of the arrival time. So, um, I agree with that. I would also ask, do most of us do tips for fast deliveries? I'm not sure. I don't think I necessarily do, but perhaps different customers have different priorities. Yeah, yeah. Because when I, when I saw that, um, I was initially surprised because generally if I tip, it's for good service. Yes. Which is the same principle I would apply in a restaurant. So I kind of go with that. But if this is indeed the case and most people are tipping because people are fast, then that makes sense. That's probably exactly why uh, there is this incentive to go quick. Meanwhile, Jason says, uh, drivers are incentivized to break rules to complete many orders in a short time. We need to regulate the company and its incentive system. Find a balance between convenience, uh, i.e. getting food quickly and driver safety. Uh, the company needs to be stricter and punish drivers um, that we vigilantes report. <laughs> well, um, I would assume there is, of course, a way to complain. Um, that said, I'm not sure that it's very clear. Uh, obviously, we can complain. Customers can complain about riders. But if you see a rider on the road being unsafe, me as a bystander, actually, I'm not really sure how I'm supposed to complain. Well, Alan says the e-hailing companies should be part of the solution. Legality of the employment aside, the company has a duty to ensure a complaint culture. Training and retraining, pay docking may drive the message home. So now we're um, going from paying them better to thinking about things like pay docking as a as a stick, not just a carrot. Mm. So um, I, I think there's, there are actually a number of things here that are going on, right? Um, on the one hand, the notion of, uh, well, what does a job require them to do and how how much is time a component of that? There's also, of course, the uh, issue of attitudes and the fact that we have many riders who don't seem to prioritize safety at all. Uh, so Riz is saying e-hailing, particularly riders, must be given guidelines and enforcement as well. Knowing them, the riders take for granted not adhering to, uh, to traffic rules, especially when they know that the public at large would understand the way they operate. Otherwise, they would simply beat the lights. Now, this is an interesting one because um, in a way, I understand what Riz is saying. When you see a delivery rider as a fellow road user, I think you might sort of brace yourself for them to be cutting into your lane. Yeah, or, yeah. So I get it, but that doesn't mean that there's um, that they shouldn't be better. Yes, but then the enforcement one is not specific, is it, to these situations? Yes. So the problems with enforcement. I mean, look, we are talking about uh, p-hailing riders because that's the 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 point that the story started from. And um, anecdotally speaking, they are likely the people who do this offence the most, who commit this offence the most. But 
if we had proper enforcement for running red lights, yes. in general, this wouldn't be an issue, but we don't. So... We are talking about road safety, uh, specifically when it comes to P-hailing riders. We're asking you, what are your experiences sharing the road with them? How do you think delivery riders can do their job in a safer way? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. We'll be back after this for more of your thoughts and messages. So keep sending them through and keep it here. BFM 89.9. Banish feudal mentality. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It is 7.07. You're listening to Inside Story with Sharmila and Lynn. And we're talking about P-hailing riders and road safety. This comes from something that was brought up in Parliament to Transport Minister Anthony Locke, who was asked what was being done to protect the safety of P-hailing riders, uh, particularly because they use uh, mobile devices while making deliveries um, and for navigation and so on. So we've been asking you for your experiences uh, how, what has it been like sharing the road with P-hailing riders? How do you think they can do their job in a safer way? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. So we do have a voice note. This is from Trevor. Hi, BFM Radio. In relation to this delivery riders dilemma, Safe on road safety. I think no matter what we give them, what benefits is available, yeah, it's good, it will help. But I guess the main one of the main issues here is the riding attitude. As we can see in Malaysian roads, even non delivery riders, motorcycle riders, you can see them jumping, jumping traffic lights, they are riding against traffic zigzagging on the roads it's so common scenario in Malaysia for motorcyclists so actually it boils down to the attitude that means it comes down to proper education road safety awareness and a little bit more enforcement you know that would, I think would be the main milestone for them to to achieve first before can start looking at all the other benefits. I'm sure the benefits now is not really that bad. Not many consumers will be uh, will be pressing them for the the real the food and so forth. You know, not many. But yeah, there are some, but there's still enough leeway in that sense. But the problem is still there. And from my view, it is just simply. The motorcycle ride, the cyclist riding attitude. That's my view. Thank you for that, Trevor. Um, I mean, I I agree on a, on a number of your points, um, particularly that. Generally, in Malaysia, we have a lax attitude when it comes to road safety. Um, and this is by no means something that's confined only to delivery riders. But that said, I think your, I think your point about um, there is, uh, you know, there isn't that kind of expectation. It's a little bit more complicated because if you're told that you earn a certain amount based on how many deliveries you can make, um it's a little difficult to make the case that there isn't a pressure for them to take on as many deliveries as possible. Yeah, um, so so there is that. I think the other thing is, um, I'm glad, Trevor, that you started by calling it a dilemma, partly because I, I think I, I genuinely think that it is. Um, the Because I am going back and forth on education, awareness, and so on. Um, that is the the tack that the government is currently taking. That's partly why we have this information available um, with the, via the surveys, right? Because they want to go the the route of educating, uh, building in this further awareness, this further understanding. Now, how long is that going to take to create change? Mm. Um, especially if it doesn't come with more carrot and stick driven measures. Now, whichever side of that you want to land on. So Trevor doesn't seem to be so much a fan of um, 
going with further incentives and that's fine but i think that if that's the case then we have then we need to be talking about enforcement and a policy or regulation needs to accommodate both so there are a number of messages on this notion of carrot or stick but i did want to um, look at a few messages that are making similar points to trevor's also talking about riding behavior in general um so for instance uh La Panda says, the problem with delivery riders is the same as the majority of bike riders. It's a mentality issue. They think that road laws don't apply to them. We can have hundreds of laws and thousands of regulations, but it's all useless if they don't follow them. Well, it's all useless also if they're not enforced. Um, so because I, again... I don't want to make apologies for bad behaviour. It's not my intention to do so because I, I truly believe that sometimes the way we see Riders and motorcyclists behave, in other words, running lights, uh, going against the flow of traffic, all of that stuff is inexcusable. Um, but this is true across the board, as in for all drivers. Yes. Um, that that we, we can have hundreds of laws and thousands of regulations, but if we don't follow them, it's useless and plenty of drivers don't. Benjamin says, I think we're all bad road users, drivers, riders and pedestrians alike. It's just that delivery, it's just that food delivery riders are easily identifiable. This makes them stand out. Think about the times we've seen pedestrians jaywalking, cars not giving way to pedestrians and everyone not using the roundabout (laughs) properly. Benjamin, you don't have to get so precise about the roundabout thing. That one I feel is calling (laughs) everyone, everyone just across the board. Um, But yeah, I mean, I, I think in some ways this is the point that we've been making that um, we are also, I think, more easily triggered because, yeah, on the one hand, um, they're more identifiable. The other thing is nobody wants to be responsible for injuring somebody, especially when it wasn't your mistake to begin with. And that can sometimes be Mm. the exact scenario that you feel like you're being put in. What did our guests say? Um, As a person driving the car, you emerge from the accident relatively okay, but the other person possibly not. And that's the concern. And then you live with that. Yes. Mm. Um, We do have a caller on the line. Good evening, Maha. What are your thoughts? Possibly not, and that's the concern. And then you live with that. Yes. Hi, Maha. Hi, Maha. Hello, 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 hello. Hi. Can what you are your thoughts? Me? Yes, yes, we can. Uh, my thought is very simple, lah. Food delivery flares should not use motorbike. They should use the three wheel bike, and if possible, they have a, a co-pilot sitting there handling the handphone. So no more problem. Uh, is this an idea that you've seen implemented elsewhere? I'm curious. No, no, no. It just came to be extemporized. Thank you so much for your thoughts. Um, well, that's certainly out of the box, isn't it? Well, I actually think that having um, more than one person doing this would be helpful in a number of ways. Uh, not least of which you don't have one single person having to worry about finding parking in front of a building, running up, coming back down, you know, just all these different things. I could see how that would be helpful. Now, whether people are willing to... whether whether companies are willing to pay more or whether people are willing to split the pay that they already do get between two people, I think is an interesting one. Yes. So again, this comes down to resources, bottom lines. Um, and partly, I'm not convinced that this is something companies will will take up. But uh, we would like to hear from you, um, including if you have out-of-the-box solutions, you can share those as well. How do you think delivery riders can do their job in a safer way? What's your experiences sharing the road with them? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Beating fickle mindsets. BFM. 89.9, The Business Station. It's 7.17. You're listening to Inside Story with Sharmila and Lynn. And we are asking you, how do you think delivery riders can do their jobs in a safer way? What is it like sharing a road with them? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Let's start on this side of things with a voice note. This is from Cool Breeze and Blue Skies. Hi, BFM. Uh, Thank you for addressing this uh, quandary that we're in. Firstly, safety is expensive. There's no doubt about it. And uh, we're talking about people's lives and their livelihood here. So really, we need to bridge that gap. And there is a cost to bridging that gap. So if we want to progress and keep people alive, 
something serious has to be thought about bridging that gap and we've heard so many good suggestions here um, of course there's frustration when uh, the so-called behavior doesn't meet the expectation but uh, let's just think about keeping people alive and progressing along that path and perhaps uh, we'll come to some good solutions thank you very much Thank you for that. Um, you know, you bring up a really good point. Um, safety is expensive. And that's both sad but also very true. Yes. And then whether consumers are willing to bear the cost of that safety. So, of course, you could argue that the company should do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have never seen that to be the case. Um, I have no, in fact, Or rather independently without pressure from consumers i have not i don't personally have an expectation that that will be fulfilled because that's just not how we've seen things operate but um i i think that that is a really good point and the the issue of bridging the gap and calling it a gap i think is key because that indicates that um that indicates that we're moving in the same direction we want the same things in other words to for people to be able to operate safely and for us to be able to get our things efficiently there's just a gap and i think acknowledging that is better than maybe having a more adversarial approach to it's us versus them so a number of suggestions coming in on how uh, safety can be improved how we can hold companies perhaps more accountable uh, this one from hakim is interesting hakim says maybe the delivery apps can include a box saying safety first i'm not in a hurry for the customer to tick i like that um i really like that i also think it should be the default I like that too. But then you see, if you make it a default, will it then just not count anymore? Oh, no, I meant that we should all have this as our starting position. Uh, yes. That it shouldn't even need to be said, right? Like in an ideal world, safety first, I'm not in a hurry. I recognize that you are providing a service. Please do it safely. That should be the, the base level of, like expectation, but it's not also. But this is what I mean by... Um, so uh, now certain delivery apps have the option to say that you're willing to wait longer, for instance, for yes, a lower yes. fee, right? Um, my concern is that I don't think that translates into fewer, safer rides for the rider. Instead, I think it just means you have more rides to prioritize before you do the ones that can wait longer. Um, so again, I think it goes back to some amount of will from the company and perhaps consumer pressure. Further suggestions coming through. Desmond saying carrot and stick systems need to be introduced. Uh, deduct incentives for riders who are doing it hazardously, like speeding, going against traffic. Uh, anyone with dash cams can report this to the e-hailing company if they see, it do- if they see them doing it. And incentives for those who have no reports of hazardous riding every month. Bhavan also says we should take pictures or videos of the riders breaking the law, send it to companies, and then they proceed to find them. Well, I agree broadly, but this goes back to what you said earlier, right? Any rider riding like this should technically be um, fined by the police. Why is that not happening? So I think here the the thing is that we are going to be the eyes and ears of enforcement. Mm. Um, and I think there's something to that. I mean, uh, Frankie called earlier to say that Grab should provide them shirts with a number on the back so that the public can complain about reckless drivers and it will serve as a deterrent, um, but it will also allow us to commend drivers who drive safely. I like that. Um, I, I don't know how logistics-wise, how enforceable it is, but I think that is perhaps a usable suggestion. Um, Alex says, delivery companies should stop riders from taking more than one job at a time. They must complete one job before they can take the next one. This might reduce the delivery rider rush. Yeah, um, and uh, psychologically speaking also, wouldn't it reduce the pressure to a degree? It would, but this does require um, the consumer collectively to really be okay with waiting longer, planning better, understanding that you're not going to get something in 40 minutes. It'll probably take you an hour or two hours. So we have a lot of messages uh, also talking about their experiences, sharing the road with uh, riders and generally speaking, not great. So uh, Z says, no sympathy from me at all. Lost count of the times that I got honked by these riders mid-lane switch in a traffic jam because they're in a rush. Uh, So I really... I have to say, despise this behaviour. Mm. Um, 
when it's my right to change lanes and you technically shouldn't even be on that lane and I get honked, um, sometimes I get gestured at rudely and in general, um, there's always this... I think we've all experienced that moment of you could have changed lanes, it's hard enough to do it anyway and now you suddenly find yourself being unable to because of a rider. So... Um, on that about poor behaviour from riders, Rose says, my experience is a stress fracture in my forearm, a twisted ankle and a mm. dislocated finger from a delivery motorcyclist suddenly U-turning without indicating. Have you ever seen a motorcyclist indicate? by 4D. Oof, Rose, sorry about that. Um, mm. Hope that that recovery was smooth. That's a lot. No, you see, and this is exactly why, um, as, as we said at the start of the show, most people have, even anecdotally, experiences of poor behaviour from motorcyclists. And then in this case, as, as one of our listeners pointed out, it becomes even more apparent when it's a delivery rider, because you can tell they have the distinctive bikes, they're often wearing uniforms. The colours. The yeah. colours, yeah. Uh, we do have a voice note. This is from Bing. Delivery riders, you can't live without them. You need them, so you have to learn to accept them for who they are. There's no way that we could change the way they how they could do their work better. And well, I find them as uh, heroes at times, and I also find them as a nuisance, especially when they're on the road or at the car parks or even the pedestrian walks because they would normally hog up all these places right on top of the pedestrian walk, park their bikes on the pedestrian walks, park their bikes illegally on the roadside, cause extra jams here and there, flying across the traffic lights, or you name it, but because they need to do the hero stuff, which is to deliver food to us. So how? How do you balance this off? No choice for maybe for delivery riders, you just got to give them a benefit of doubt. Lah. But honestly, in any other countries, uh, the delivery boys, well, they seem to have a more, uh, a better approach, they seem to be a bit more docile. The Thai delivery boys, they really follow the road rules. And also, they do park their bikes at the allocated spaces, uh, at malls where they collect the food or restaurants not everywhere along the roadside. Uh, the little boys in Jakarta as well, they, they seem to have that kind of uh, uh, social awareness as well. Just somehow Malaysian ones is rather heroic or maybe also the devil themselves. Bing, thank you for that. Um, I get the I get the impulse to say maybe this is just how it will be, and especially given all the different pain points that have come up during this conversation, I see where that's coming from. But I live in some amount of hope. I think the fact that the minister is talking about it, the fact that we are doing surveys and talking about regulations, I hope this is something that's going to be taken seriously. Ralph says, have a safety campaign for a month and appoint safety ambassadors to be role models, education and awareness on safety. Yeah, um, and I think that's actually a really nice point to end on. Um, hopefully, something that we will see more of. Uh, do keep your thoughts coming. You can call us, you can send us a voice note, you can WhatsApp us, you can tweet us, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.